Thank you so much. They sang quiet compared to what they were singing last night. I can tell you that unequivocally. (laughs) So our scripture today, there's actually two scriptures today. I don't want to read them out of order. I don't know if it matters, but I think it's applicable that we read them in the order they are in the in our bulletins. And so the first one is found in Philippians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, and they say this. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's our first one. And our last one is found in Isaiah. Got to get to the right place here. Isaiah 40. Verse 31 says this. And this is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Good morning, church. As you have seen in the bulletin, um, myself and um, Brother John are doing the service today. And you know, Brother easily when he prayed just now. He indicated in his prayer that we need to slow down. And my part of the sermon today is about definitely not slowing down. We are so, Brother Easley, thanks for that admonition, but I'm putting it in doubt right now. You know, there was, this year, there has been a lot of issues going on in this world. There have been many circumstances in which we have, uh, for which we have no control. Just one second here, I've lost one of my pages. I just need to get back to it. Hmm. Where did it go? Okay. See, Satan is already working, and it's not even the beginning of the year. So, anyway, uh, many things have happened this year. There have been tremendous difficulties in our lives. There have been, you know, tornadoes, hurricanes, um, wildfires, etc. And many people have lost their lives. And because of that, I think we have a tendency to want to not move forward. But I want to encourage you this morning and encourage myself as well to think about moving forward despite the things that may have happened to us in the year 2018. I want us to leave that year behind in most cases. There were some good things that happened, like babies were born, people have been healed, um, the sick have felt better, but for the most part, there has been 
a lot of ill things that took place in 2018. And fear, I think, has, is the one that has burdened me the most. I don't know why I trust in the Lord, but there have been times when I have been very fearful of what's going on in the world. There was the lion who fed nothing except the crowing of cocks. A chill would go down his spine whenever he heard a cock crowing. One day, he confessed his fear to the elephant, who was greatly amused. How can the crowing of a cock hurt you? He asked the lion. Think about it. Just then, a mosquito began circling the elephant's head, frightening him out of his wits. If it gets into my ear, I'm doomed, the elephant shrieked, flailing at the insect with his trunk. Now it was the lion's turn to feel amused. The moral of this little story is, if we could see affairs, if we can see the things that happen in this world as others see them, we would realize that most of affairs make no sense. You know, bow your heads with me for a moment, please. Dear Lord, we thank you for your awesome love and greatness. May we never doubt your power to save. Remind us constantly, Lord, that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Give us the ability to make a difference in this world for you, no matter the consequences and no matter what's going on. In this world, we human beings seem to be eternally on the lookout for a place to park. Everywhere we look, we see signs that say, don't park here, or no parking allowed. These signs are designed for our safety and are meant to keep us in our proper place. But there seems to be a tendency in many of us to want to find the easy way out. And in spite of the warnings, we still sometimes park where we have no business parking. We not only park our automobiles, but we park ourselves as well. We park our bodies by not exercising them to keep the blood pumping freely and the muscles toned. We park our minds by ceasing to ask why we are here, where we are, and what and who we are. We park our souls in places and in ways that God doesn't want us to. We think life is something that we can stop, put aside, and deal with as we desire when we get good and ready. But life is like a stream, and the water must continue to flow forward in order for our lives to count for anything. You know, life is a quality of existence. And as we move into this new year, we want to leave all of the not-so-nice things behind us. And we want to move forward with Christ to the things that help us to win souls for Christ. You see those signs everywhere, in front of hotels, hospitals, fire hydrants, bus stops, and theaters. 
They are seen on bridges and tunnels and on curves and shoulders of highways. Everywhere you look, you see the familiar sign saying, no parking zone. One of the most persistent warnings in traffic and in life is the warning of the danger of parking, of resting or of settling down in off-limits restricted areas. And yet people go right on parking where they should not and paying the penalty for doing so. In traffic, the penalty is a monetary fine. In life, it's a little more severe. The penalty in life is an arrested development, a stunted personality, a narrowed vision, and a limited life. Life is for growth, for movement, for development, for struggle, for progress. The life that becomes static becomes stagnant. So the numerous times that I have wanted to park myself and not do anything won't do me any good. Even though I feel like it would, it won't do me any good. And we are just admonishing us today to not park ourselves by our failures. You know, we have failed. I have failed many times, and so have you. All of us know the awful taste of failure in some goal or aspiration in life. And oh, how tempting it is to park ourselves by our failures and say, what's the use? I tried, I really tried. But things just didn't work out, that's all. So here we are parking ourselves by our failures. You know, people have said to me, I try to keep in touch with the members of our church who have decided they don't want to come to church anymore because we're all hypocrites here. And I try to call them. I try to encourage them to come to church. But you know, I find that some of us park ourselves by so many things in our lives that we just can't seem to move forward. And some of us park ourselves by our failures. You know, Abraham Lincoln... His political career was one long, dreary series of failures and defeats before becoming president in 1860. Now, had he parked himself somewhere and not continued to improve on what he was doing, he probably would never have been president of the United States of America. You know, some of us have a tendency to park ourselves by our handicaps, And I know in 2018, some of us have done that. We have become discouraged, and we have decided that, you know, I've been handicapped, so I cannot move forward. I'm just going to park myself right here. Millions sit parked by some handicap, fancied or real, and consequently fail to grow, to develop, to achieve in life simply because they don't look like everyone else or talk like everyone else or walk like everyone else. They meet every challenge, every opportunity, every responsibility with the sniveling whimper, what's the use with my handicap? 
Well, what is your handicap today? Do you have a handicap that feels like a millstone around your neck? Instead, turn it into a stepping stone to success. These people did. Helen Keller, Fanny Crosby, all turned their handicaps into stepping stones. You know, some of us, and, and I hear this a lot when I speak with our, our church members who no longer want to come to church, they have parked themselves by resentments. You know, people have pointed out to me that so-and-so in church is not Christ-like. And so they resent coming to church. We will not always be able to choose the changes and circumstances that come to us, but we will always be able to choose the attitude and spirit in which we meet them. We are not always responsible for everything that happens to us in life, but we are responsible for the attitude we take towards it. Refuse to park by the calamities, tragedies, and flip-flops of life. Don't allow them to settle down in your heart where they can fester and sour. It is never what happens to us in life, but what happens in us that determines the final outcome. No amount of water can sink a ship unless it gets inside. Surrender all of life's hurts, heartaches, disappointments, and unpleasant situations to God. He is able to help you through them all. There is victory for anyone in any situation of life when God is brought into the picture. He makes the difference. Get behind the wheel of your car and start driving. Move out of life's no parking zone. You have God's assurance that he will guide you on your cruise through life. His roadmap, the Bible, will guide you on your journey and help you to stay on course. You know, our life as believers and disciples of Christ is viewed as a constant journey with one goal. Paul's life was a constant forward motion for Christ. His whole life's purpose and goal in life was to live for Christ and win souls for his kingdom. Paul's life was a constant reaching forth. Can we make our lives into constant reaching forward to? Where have you parked your life? Illegal parking brings with it certain penalties, such as tickets, towing, charges, and fines. As disciples of Christ, we need to be aware of where we have a tendency to park and why. You know, some of us are parked by our past experiences, and some of us are parked by our failures. Some of us are parked by illnesses. You know, sometimes, a lot of times, and I, I don't think we, some of us do understand this, but sometimes when we are ill, and you know, I was here 
for the presentation on, when did we do it again? Last Sabbath evening. About Carol's recovery from cancer. And it was a very touching presentation of how she had gone through all of these procedures and faith in God to heal herself. And I get the impression sometimes that some of us just sit around and park ourselves in our illnesses. We don't make an effort to better ourselves, and we use our illnesses as an excuse. Resigning ourselves to sickness deprives us of an opportunity for a miracle of healing. Many parked by their illnesses and make excuses, given all the right reasons why they are still sick. The more we rationalize our present condition, the more we give ourselves reasons for remaining in that condition. You know, some of us park ourselves by worldly ambition. We want to do things in the world that we probably shouldn't be doing. And some of us park ourselves by too much knowledge. Now, I like knowledge. We've all been to school, university, colleges, and we love to grow. We have to have knowledge in order to excel in this world. But sometimes we park ourselves by that knowledge, too much of it, and we can't seem to move forward. You know, be careful that our excessive knowledge do not prevent us from doing God's best. And some of us park ourselves by mediocrity and complacency. How sometimes I would just love to sit down and do nothing, be really complacent about everything and anything. But you know, that's not a good way to be. Being complacent and mediocre means that we are satisfied with the status quo. We are not to rest on our laurels. Don't park in that wonderful job thinking you have finally arrived. Do not rest on our laurels. And I want to emphasize that, that as 2018 is closely almost to an end, and we move in into 2019, let us remember not to park ourselves in all of those issues that we just talked about. Let us remember to move forward. And I want to ask you, where have you parked your life? Have you parked your life with all of those issues that I just mentioned? Are we ready and up and driving and ready to go in 2019? Let us ask God to transform us to serve him no matter what. Let us forget about the issues of the past and let us move forward in Christ. So just as I'm hoping to take my walk with Christ in, on this train that is going with us, some of us are on it, some of us are not, and um, 
Rick, can you play that for me, please? I don't think, I think it's just a couple of minutes. We're all on this train together. We're all in this church together. We're all in life together. And I want us to remember to move forward with God's help, without being complacent, without having all of these issues in our lives that drag us down. Let us just trust in him, believe in him, follow him, walk with him. And all of those issues, I hope and believe, will go away. You're going to have to read this. Thank you, brethren, for being on my train of life. Brother John is up. I'm old. I need the light. I'm talking today about hope. Hope is mentioned in the Bible 129 times. Anyway, I woke up on a Sunday morning and plopped down at the computer to check the news. It didn't take me long to find out that Charles Schultz, the Peanuts creator, died in his sleep. Somehow, a gray, drizzly morning, J. 
just got darker. Sat there for a few moments, wondering why the death of a man I never met was affecting me so deeply. Sure, I was a Peanuts fan. Who isn't? It's almost un-American not to be a Peanuts fan, but it seemed weird to have such strong feelings about it. I mean, let's get a grip. It's ink on paper, not real people. But that didn't help. The empty feeling was still there. Maybe that empty feeling is because I am selfish. See, I'm not just a Peanuts fan. I'm a Snoopy fan. In high school, Snoopy was all the rage, and I had my fair share of Snoopy t-shirts. I was especially fond of Snoopy as Joe Cool, owning several different variations of that shirt. Was the empty feeling just because I wouldn't be able to get my daily fix of Snoopy? No. Was the fact that Snoopy would never do his dance, the Beagle, again? No. That didn't seem to be it. Was it the fact that Charlie Brown, named after Charles's art teacher, would never get to kick the football? No, although that's a major disappointment. Is it because Linus will never get to see the great pumpkin? No. Maybe because Charlie Brown will never get a valentine from the little red-headed girl? No. I just couldn't put my finger on it. But I couldn't shake the empty feeling or the thought that it seemed appropriate that Charlie Brown had died on a rainy day. He always hated the rain. A few days later, it dawned on me why the empty feeling was there. There is hope in Peanuts cartoons. Charlie Brown is always hopeful that that little red-haired girl will send a love letter or that this time he will kick the ball. Snoopy is always sure there'll be a supper time and he will get to dance. Linus can quote Bible texts to soothe your soul. Lucy, for all her touchiness, is concerned about her pals. I could go on, but you get the idea. No matter what bad things happen, there is always hope that next time it will be better. When one of, our, of the gang is down, the others rally around to help. Ah, that's it. The empty feeling is because somehow a little hope and the goodness was gone from the world. Something that future generations will miss. Who is modeling this type of hope and goodness for today's young people? Where will they learn about this? Then I read a story about the ripple effect of everyday kindness by Sandy Banks. Seems there is a security guard at the Torrance Social Security office that is one outstanding person. His name is Anthony Williams. He is kind, courteous, helpful, early to work, and a bunch of other characteristics every single day. I don't know about you, but many times it is easy not to have the best attitude at work or at home. It is too easy to get caught up in the mundane drone of life, but not Anthony. I won't try to repeat all the wonderful things people had to say about him, but he made a comment that made me stop and think. What if you knew you could lighten someone's burden just by doing the best job you can? Hmm. 
Good question. What if? Maybe I shouldn't be relying on Snoopy and Charlie Brown to model hope and goodness to society. Maybe a real person would have even more impact than a cartoon character. Not the world's most profound thought, but sometimes great ideas grow slowly. Anthony sure has made an impact. I wonder if people would be so eager to say good things about my behavior and attitude. Now that's a sobering thought. So the real question is, do we model what Jesus taught us, or do we wait for another Charles Schultz to come along and do it for us? At Christmas, as Christians, we have the ultimate model. We don't need cartoon characters to teach us about hope. Are we reflecting Jesus' character or our own messed up lives? When people come in contact with us, will they be glad they met us, even if for if, even if it's for just a second. Still going to miss Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and the whole gang. But hopefully I'm a better person and have learned from Charles Schultz that I can model to others what hope and goodness is all about. Exhausted from working three jobs to put herself through school, Frida Horace remembers getting into the back seat of her friend's car where she promptly fell asleep. Her friends had offered to help her run errands. She vaguely recalls hearing a scream and some sirens, and then, three days later, she woke up in a hospital bed. Their vehicle had been struck by a drunk driver. Only Frida was injured, and her injuries were very serious. She was left paralyzed from the waist down. It was a devastating situation for a young woman who, since she was a child, dreamed of only one thing, becoming a fitness instructor and personal trainer. She loved fitness since she was a child. Thus, when the doctor told her about the paralysis, her first question was, what about aerobics? Can I do aerobics? The physician said, no, that would never happen. And he warned her that since that she also might never walk again. Intently despairing, Frida quickly made the decision to hope for the best possible outcome. Maybe I couldn't do aerobics right now, but what I could do was hope and pray and believe that someday I would be able to do what I loved again. It was a workout. For my spirit. The surgeries were successful, but she had to relearn how to walk, something that would take nearly a year. Beginning two weeks after surgery, Frida worked through the intense pain and within two months was back at the gym for her favorite step class. I had a walker and a big back brace, and I couldn't do any of the exercises yet. But I was the happiest person in the world, says Frida. Against all odds, over the following months, Frida recovered. Today, she teaches a variety of fitness classes, including step aerobics, boot camp, and kickboxing. Her ability to tap into the power of hope was instrumental in her recovery. And she's not alone in that. Increasingly, hope is being recognized as a critical emotional tool for responding to life's challenging issues. 
Psychologists are finding that hope plays a surprisingly potent role in giving people a measurable advantage in realms as diverse as academic achievement, bearing up in onerous jobs, and coping with tragic illness. This says author and psychologist Daniel Coleman. That is one reason the Bible identifies hope as a vital spiritual orientation. The Apostle Paul says three realities are fundamental to life. Faith, hope, and love. From Corinthians 13.13. Rather than allowing disappointment and fear to overwhelm you, tap into the power of hope. Anyone can, and here are some ways to begin. Don't let negative emotions control you. When a difficult or tragic event crashes into your life, it's perfectly natural to have an emotional reaction. Fear, despair, anger, anxiety, frustration, etc. However, people who hold on to hope and overcome these challenges do not allow themselves to be driven by negative emotions. In the face of conflict or crisis, resilient people exercise self-control, says Andrew Chate, author of The Resilience Factor. They don't write out feelings of intense anger and anxiety. They also don't lash out and burn bridges. What they do instead is set aside negative emotions in order to gain perspective and respond skillfully to the issue. The Bible encourages us to put more energy into positive emotions than negative ones. You must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, as we read in Colossians. Robert Gonzora, former chairman of Coca-Cola, offered these words of wisdom. You have to dream big, but then you go about accomplishing that dream in small steps. Why, even a painter, after dreaming about his masterpiece, has to paint one little stroke at a time. When a goal is in sight, it is psychologically easier to reach. So you'll become more hopeful if you take small, manageable steps in the direction you want to go. Florence Chadwick was the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. At age 33, she took on her next challenge, becoming the first woman to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast. She began on July 4, 1952. The sea was a cold ice bath, and a blanket of fog descended, making it almost impossible for her to see her support boats. Sharks cruised toward her, but were driven away by rifle shots. As millions watched on national television, Chadwick struggled against the frigid waves. In a boat, her trainer and mother offered encouragement, screaming out to Chadwick that land was only a half a mile away. However, all Chadwick could see was fog. Becoming discouraged, she asked to be pulled out of the water into the boat. Later, she told reporters, I'm not excusing myself, but if I had been able to see land, I might have made it. What defeated Chadwick 
on that swim was not fatigue or frigid waters, but the fog that prevented her from seeing her goal. Sometimes when our goals are too big and too far off, we can't see how we're going to get to them, so we quit. Keep your focus on the next step, the one right in front of you, and you'll slowly begin to make your way in the right direction. Michael Gill was a senior executive at a major New York advertising firm when abruptly he was fired and forced to reinvent himself at the age of 63. After searching for a job for months, he finally accepted an entry-level position at Starbucks. The author of How Starbucks Saved My Life, and more recently, How to Save Your Own Life, Gill recommends people make a gratitude list. This is something he did, and his list included sources of unexpected joy, such as the surprising satisfaction of working really hard to clean a toilet and making a bathroom sparkle like a new car. The song I happen to hear that sends me singing out loud as I walk down the block. The warm sun of an April day that catches me by surprise when I've spent so many months getting used to the cold gray days of winter. The delight of going to bed on a rainy afternoon with a good book. The deep enjoyment of spending time with my children. Simple lunches in the city or a long walk in the country. Today, begin to count your blessings. In doing so, a more balanced perspective will emerge, creating space for hope to grow and flourish. Then help someone else. This may sound counterproductive when you're hurting greatly, yet hope emerges and grows when we reach out and assist others. If you light the way for another person, you're also brightening your own path. Mother Teresa said, I have found the paradox that I love, that if I love until it hurts, then there is no hurt, but only more love. Similar poet Lucy Larkham wrote, if the world seems cold to you, kindle fires to warm it up. When Carrie Walker was suffering after receiving a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, a spiritual mentor challenged her to give a gift every day for 29 days. The only stipulation was that the gift was to be given with intentionality. So for 29 days, Walker gave gifts, a pretty shell to a child building a sandcastle, money to a person in need, a word of cheer to a friend, it turned my life around completely, says Walker. I now see I'm a small part of a much greater whole, rather than the self-contained, deserted island I felt like before. Then ask yourself, what good can come from this? No matter what you are facing, train yourself to see the silver lining, the opportunity and the obstacle. When things get difficult or discouraging, ask yourself, what good and positive thing can come out of this experience? You may be surprised what beauty can come from even the darkest of times. The Bible promises, and now we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, 
who have been called according to his purpose, from Romans 8. Remember, no matter how great the challenge you face, no matter how intimidating the situation may be, hope is hidden within you. Tap into it, and you will discover that hope can overpower your greatest fears and frustrations. We're going to have our closing hymn on the screen. It's a song you know, and I want you to sing along. Two fourteen. We have this hope, and I want you to sing this with a big smile on your face because we have a hope in Jesus. Two fourteen. In your hymnals, you might have one verse or two verses. Hopefully, you have two. We.